This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. Father, um, lead us, uh, speak to us, Holy Spirit, like we sang this morning, uh, you're welcome here, you are here, but we are conscious that you're with us. Speak to us right now, speak through me, God, um, we want your plan, in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know why my voice sounds deeper today than normal. I think I think my bro- my brother and I switched voices. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, this is our second week on the topic of discipleship. If we can get the first slide, please. First slide. Oh, oh, the TV ain't on. Is that the first slide? Where's my title page? Yeah, I just like how bold. That looks. Next slide. <laughs> yeah, so first and foremost, that's the first, right? We need to understand that if you're a Christian, you are a disciple of Jesus, okay? So with that, <clears throat> I don't know, I, I kept looking up all these words, disciple, follower, a student, we're warriors of God, sons and daughters of God, his people, his children, his bride, but really, we are his, it's all the same. In in essence, we follow him, he is our master. He is our Lord, and he's the one who we follow, right? So God, we're believers. He's a master, we're his disciples. He's the king, we're his people, right? If he's the Jedi, we're his Padawan, all right? We are his warriors people, his plumber, his graphic designer, whatever it is, but ultimately, he's the one that we learn from. He's the one who we want to be like. That's number one. If you're a a Christian, you are a disciple, okay? So to be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus. Being a disciple does not mean it's not the second stage of Christianity. And I've heard that before, like, First, you become a believer, then you become a disciple. Kind of, but not really. It's you believe, and then your whole life is basically being trained by God and being trained by each other. Not so much, amen. (laughs) We all want to be trained by God and trained by each other. Wow, you guys. Are you guys up? Do we take the coffee down? There we go. We got one, two woos, and two claps. Let's pray. Uh, It's the process of Christian maturity. That is discipleship. Okay? Jesus had 12 disciples and many curious followers. But the true Christians, they follow God no matter the cost. Again, a true Christian, a disciple, a real one, follows Jesus no matter what it costs. Okay, so next slide is count the cost of discipleship. And that'll be the rest of my sermon, because <laughs> count the cost, okay? So I'm going to read from scripture here, uh, Luke 14, 
25 through 33. And I'm just going to read it entirely and then go back to it. But starting in verse 25, Luke 14, 25. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't got it, say, I'm looking. Oh, yeah, it's up there. Luke 14, 25. Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and cost the count whether he has enough to complete it? Or count the cost, whether he has enough. I'm lesbistic. Just kidding. I'm not. Uh, otherwise, verse 29, otherwise, he said, <clears throat> or otherwise, he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to f finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate, uh, deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet he who comes with, uh, with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. And then verse 33, this is like the nail on the coffin or, you know, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> and I think that last, for me, that last, what he ends with is the essence of the entire scripture there. All right. So go ahead and do the next slide, please. Jesus, oh, leave it there. But Jesus didn't say that being a disciple would be cheap or easy. Okay, I always say this when I get up here, but I, I, when I read the scriptures, and sometimes when I, I don't know, <laughs> our culture, it's like we want to make everything easy. We want everything to be uh, attainable, or it's not that hard. Come on. You can, anytime someone starts off a question with, all you got to do is, <laughs> you got to be suspicious of it. All you have to do is, and then, but really, all you do have to do is give your life, die to your life, die. In other words, you are not your own. You belong to him. And everything that you own and everything that you have we're really just taking care of God's stuff, right? So, I mean, <laughs> I laugh at, like, this isn't in my notes. But Steve's motorcycle lent it to someone. The guy crashes it. And then he blames Steve. <laughs> and Steve had said, that's not my bike. That's the ministry's bike. That's God's bike. So when push comes to shove... <laughs> That really, he had to forgive that guy, let it go, because that wasn't his motorcycle. That was God's motorcycle, right? But, like, we hold on to stuff so dearly, or people so dearly, or our children so strongly. But everything we own, 
every relationship, yes, our parents, mothers, daughters, children, everyone, everything in our lives is first his, and we're just taking care of it. I won't even say it's first his, then ours. It's his, and we are managing what he has entrusted us with. He entrusted me with that fat baby over there. <laughs> and so I, I think about it, man, you know, she's just lent to me. Like, she's God's baby. Yeah, she's my daughter, but she's, her heavenly father is first. Then I'm her father. So Luke 15 or 14, I'm going to stay here for a second. And you can leave that other scripture, or the, the next slide up there. Yeah, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on that for a long time. But um, <clears throat> in Luke, um, I had like 20 other scriptures about discipleship, but I just chose this one. We're not going to go through much else in Luke. Um, when we try to get so many... We try to gather people in numbers. We try to get a large group of people here. And when Jesus got a large group of people to listen to him, he didn't, he didn't say, all you got to do is pray a prayer and you're in, buddy. He didn't say, all you got to do is, it's so intense. If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own entire family, he, he's not worthy of, to be my disciple. That's what he starts off, and he's, he's not worthy. He, she's not worthy. And then whoever does not bear their own cross, and we don't, it's like, well, we, we water it, we dumb it down. Well, yeah, it says, yeah, you got to pick up your cross and walk. But, I mean, that just means, like, sometimes you don't eat for a day. You know, it's, it's not that hard. His yoke is easy, brother. I, I don't know. I don't want to pick up a... Like, uh, you seen Passion of the Christ? Like, that's not even as intense as real. Walk, picking up your cross is death. It's not... It's like picking up uh, an electric chair. It's like picking up something that's going to kill you. That's what the cross represented. It's something that... Mur you, you get hung on a cross in those days. Picking up your cross is your death to your life. And then it says daily do this. It's like, but we, man, we, we sometimes really hark. We stay on the blessings. Man, God, and I'm not, I'm, again, don't, I'm not saying, I am not saying that God doesn't want to bless you. Don't think that. Don't hear that. He does want to bless you. God does have a better plan for your life. God does have healing for you. God does have a new everything, a new whatever you need. He, he, it's, 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 in his, um, it's in his nature and it's in his plan. Like he has, the, yes, he has things for you. Okay, now, aside from that, it's also promised, like when I read this, picking up your cross doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound like a blessing. I mean, it's, it's our calling. It's our disciple counting the cost. I, if you don't hate your whole family, 
And so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like get into the uh, deep like the Greek and yeah yeah I know it means to love less than. I like how it ends. So therefore, if anyone does not renounce all that they have, all that he has, they can't he can't be my disciple. Like renounce it. Be willing to like really. And I had to as I prepared this sermon, I had to ask myself. What would I be willing to, what is it, what's the biggest thing in my life that I couldn't deal with? When I was young, uh, I sold t-shirts through my dad's company. And uh, one time this man, uh, a big client of mine, he, he came and he wanted a big job. And me, wanting to get the big job, I gave him a very low quote not thinking through how much it was gonna cost me to get this job finished. The job gets finished, and all of a sudden I realize, uh-oh, I'm gonna have to charge this guy more. But I already told him that it was gonna be this much, and really, it was gonna be this much. And I, I, I didn't wanna lose money on the job, so I told I said, hey, Isidro, his name was Isidro, I'm sorry, uh, it's gonna, it's going to cost more. And I, <laughs> I hate doing that. He got mad. Paid for the job, never came back. Why? Because I didn't tell him up front what it was going to cost. I don't want us to not know up front what it's going to cost to follow Jesus. It really can cost us everything. The disciples, if you see their life, all of them except one were murdered or killed for the faith. And the one that didn't die is because they couldn't kill him. They, they, John, they tried to boil him alive. <laughs> and he didn't die. I don't know how. <laughs> it's pretty warm. It's pretty nice. Give me more heat. I don't know. But they tried to boil this man alive. He didn't die. So they sent him away to an island to die. They figured... Old age will take him away. Or, you know, maybe an animal will kill him or something. I don't know. But they didn't have glamorous, you know, they didn't have awesome, amazing chariots and cars and the best, latest iPhone. Where's my iPhone? <laughs> they didn't have the best of the best stuff. They just, <laughs> whatever they had, they had. And Paul said, sometimes he had a lot, sometimes he had a little but in everything, Christ. So, um, Steve, a while back, uh, told us about, and I'm gonna, was it uh, the, the people who, they were, I think they were in China or Thailand, and they were asked to, to stop preaching the gospel, or we'll kill your babies in front of you, and they didn't renounce. Was it Mozambique? It's not a single isolated case. It happens more often than we hear about it, and probably it happens way more than we want to hear about it. But I, I, <laughs> I look at my baby and I'm like, oh my Gosh, 
And then I think about the scripture. If you can't let go everyone and everything, you're not worthy to be my disciple, Jesus. And I think, oh, and I kind of use, I, I imagine myself being in a position where someone asked me to stop preaching or stop attending church or stop being a Christian or we'll kill Aitana. We'll kill your baby if you don't renounce Christ and we'll do it in front of you. And I like, oh my gosh, I, I, it's so scary. Like my, she's my baby and I wouldn't want to see someone murder my baby in front of me. And then that's when I, I, I like, I, I, I had meditated on that thought because that's what it means. Let everything go. Hold it loosely because it's ultimately his, not yours. This baby is his baby before my baby. And then why would he say that? I think I know it would be hubris. It would be ego of God to say that if he weren't worth it. But he's... Jesus would, I believe he would say, if you knew, please know how awesome I am, how, how much I love you, how glorious I am. I am the beginning and the end. I created everything you know and everything you see. You exist because I make you exist. And I love you. So yes, follow me and love me more than everyone and everything else. If we understood that, it would, it, then it's not ego. Because if I said that, if, <laughs> if I say, hey, love me before your family. <laughs> I don't know, Bruno, you're kind of crazy. I, it makes no sense for me to ask that of anyone or anyone in here, right? I mean, we do love each other, but man, I mean, before all of you guys in here, I'm saving my baby first. <laughs> Right? Like my wife and my baby come before everyone else in here. But God comes before my wife and my baby. And I, I, my job is now first, I'm talking about discipleship. First, I disciple my family. You know, first I'm discipled. And then I have to be discipled. And then I have to disciple others. And it's, it's an ongoing cycle of discipleship. So... Those Christians that they didn't deny the faith and they watched their babies get slammed in front of them and die, they knew the cost. They counted it and they thought Jesus is worth it. And, and we don't go through that, none of that. We don't see that. But if it happens, man, that's a scary question. I don't wish that on anyone. So, are we evangelizing or are we making a sales pitch? Paul refers to Christians as believers, or Paul refers to believers as Christians more than disciples. And actually, where was it? Well, you know what? It don't matter. I got so much. So, the four stages of discipleship, and you guys have seen them. So, number one, it's evangelize the lost. That's make disciples, right? Matthew, go to the nations and make disciples. 
Go to this neighborhood and make disciples. Go to everywhere you are, anywhere you are, school, work, at the gas station, and make disciples. Number two, train new believers. So number two and number three kind of go hand in hand. But I, I personally separate them because you got to have more grace with new believers, man. They want to, <laughs> they want to, if you don't love Jesus, I'll stab you in the face. I'm like, what the, that's not the love of God, brother. <laughs> like sometimes new believers, me being one of them, wow, I, I look back on my, I've, I've been, I've been walking with Jesus now since uh, 2003. That was a long time ago. I don't know how long, I'm not good at math, someone, what is that, like 18 years, 20 years, a long time, um, that's 20 years, isn't it, 19 years, isn't it, math major, um, train new believers because they need grace, like they do, they need a lot of help and attention, and, and then help current Christians or help older believers, older Christians in their faith mature. Help each other mature. And I like, that's as simple as going and talking with someone, as simple as me and John Ammon, he tells me about Ruach, and I'm like, oh, that's a word for spirit. Oh, that's cool. Like, you know, that's what we do. We sharpen each other here. We sharpen each other through phone call, over coffee, Facebook, everything. And then number three, or the last one, and then always be learning from someone else. And you can't, no one is too mature or too old or too wise or have enough PhDs. No, no one is above learning. We all must keep learning. <clears throat> and I am thirsty. So we all follow Jesus. And then we help non-believers become believers. And then we help believers grow. And then we actively seek the wisdom of others for ourselves to grow. So, uh, how much time do I got? Yeah. Um, I don't flip to it. I don't even think I put it up there. If I did, great. If not, I don't. Acts 8.26 through 40, where um, Philip... Uh, he's evangelizing, he's, you know, Philip. And so I have, I, I kind of looked at Philip and the Ethiopian. So I'm going to start with the Ethiopian. So the Ethiopian, you know, I'm just going to read it straight through, like, or how I read it straight through. This guy was hungry for God. He was sitting there. He's a believer at some level. He was coming back from a worship night, June 9th or January 9th. He was coming back from a worship night. He was reading the scriptures, right? And <clears throat> it doesn't seem like he knew. Well, he didn't know about Jesus yet. So I don't know. He's maybe a non-believer. Maybe he's curious or maybe he's a first-time believer. I don't know. But he's somewhere. He has, he has, he's looking for God. He's hungry for God. And then Philip, he asks this guy, or this guy asks the apostle, uh, uh, Philip uh, to talk to him through the scriptures. Hey, I don't know what this is talking about. Can you show me what this Bible is talking about? And so Philip, you know, uh, starts to teach him. So the guy was hungry. 
He asked to be baptized. He wanted to make his faith public. All right, now Philip. Philip the apostle, he's, you know, Phil was a disciple. He made disciples. First, I love it. First, he listens to an angel in this story. You guys can read it for yourselves. First, he listens to uh, a messenger telling him, just get up and go south to this land. He doesn't know why. He just does it. Okay, then he obeys the spirit of God, and he went over and talked to the Ethiopian. So now the Holy Spirit is telling him, speak to this guy. So then he goes. Then Philip teaches him, starting where he was reading, he teaches him about Jesus. Then he baptizes him in some random water. So he followed Jesus' command. Phil, Phil, uh, Philip, why do you keep saying Phil? Dr. Phil. Phil was, he loved Jesus, right? And he teaches this guy about Jesus. And then he follows Jesus' instructions. Hey, you get baptized. The guy, you know what? Right here's some water. Let's get baptized. I don't know how deep it was. I, <laughs> when I first, as a first believer, I thought of that water there as being like just off the road. Maybe it's like this deep and they had to roll him in it to get him fully wet, fully submerged. It's probably like a lake or something. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was this little puddle. <laughs> but uh, he, he follows Jesus' command. Then he rejoices with him after he's baptized. And then God teleports Philip away. And I'm like, whoa. And I've always thought about that. Like, if I had a superpower, man, teleportation would be awesome. I would just go anywhere, this, on top of the pyramids. Just, uh, just the possibilities. You're just here, and you're somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's platinum class, is being teleported. I've always thought, and I'm reading it, and I think to myself, like I'm right now, I'm like, oh, that would be so awesome. Man, that would be awesome to be teleported. And then God very quietly asked me a question. And go ahead, the next question. I think it's the next question. Yeah. What do you think that, what do you think he was more excited for? For leading the Ethiopians to God or being teleported. And man, did that give me a conviction. Because, man, I would want to be teleported, but I should have that same level of passion just to see someone know God. Even more so, right? That's more of a miracle than being teleported. You know how hard it is to convince someone that Jesus died and that Mary was a... You, I used to try to convince people. I used to love apologetics and Lee Strobel and all these guys. I never once <laughs> ever convinced anyone that Jesus is God. But I prayed for people and people had an encounter. I prayed for stuff in their life and then it would happen and then they start to believe. That was exciting. That's exciting. Right? I still want to be teleported. That'd be cool. But I do want to see people know God. So, oh, nice. So I'm going to finish with two stories. These are, so when I first started working for the church, you guys know, I was the youth pastor. And um, in Firestone, we had our, our first youth group out in Firestone. And there was this young man that started going to our church. 
And he started coming just to the youth group for a long time. And um, one day, <laughs> this guy, I loved him, but man, would he drive me insane. Like, <laughs> I can't even say some of the stuff that he would, it was a crazy youth group. And uh, man, I really had a passion to see those kids know God. And um, he, he started coming more and more often. And then he started asking me questions. And he would go back and forth. Sometimes he'd be a knucklehead, and sometimes he'd actually be trying to listen. One day, uh, on my day off, he asked if he could meet with me. And so I said, yeah, let's uh, uh, meet me at the church, and I'll get us some burritos, and we'll, we'll talk. So I did that. And he had advice, he wanted advice on father issues. He, had, he was dealing with issues with his dad. And um, he also had it, wanted advice on girls. And so I was a youth pastor, so I told him, stop dating and follow God. I don't want to say more. And then I gave him my advice on how to talk to his dad. You know, it was an awesome talk. I think he was with me for about an hour we spoke and he ate his burrito. He got in his friend's car at the end of the conversation and said, hey, I'll be here Sunday, which he rarely came on a Sunday. And I said, sweet, I'll see you Sunday. And I think that was on a Friday. The that Saturday, the next morning, he was in a car accident. And about, what was it, like, I forget, like three days later, he passed away. And that was the last time I spoke to him, was me talking to him about stuff praying with him, telling him I might see him Sunday. I saw this young man come up and give his life to Christ. I saw this young man get emotional over stuff that God was doing in him. He came up to the altar. He had, between he and I, we had a few deep conversations apart from that one. I saw him have a bit of a hunger. I also saw him not really want to fully give his life. And then one day he was gone, 15 years old young kid. There's this other young man that I knew long, long time ago. And uh, this guy, every time I saw him, he was talking about the scriptures. Every time I talked to him, he was always looking for the next thing. He was a young guy, a rapper. Um, what was the song he had made? Um, <laughs> he was awesome. He was a breakdancer. Uh, from, uh, from Victory Church. Uh, and he was just on fire for God. A little bit immature in his faith. <laughs> he would ask me questions. And, oh, I don't know, man. We should talk to Pastor Doug about that one. And, uh, but he had a passion and a desire to follow God. right? And then he also passed away. And also in a car accident. These way, there was like 15 years apart from each other. Like, the first one was back in 2004-ish, 5-ish. And the, the story about the other young man that I actually was his youth pastor, that happened about, I don't know, like eight years ago or so. Um, and I, I, I was thinking about both of these guys. And one of them, they were both about the same time. Like, they both probably had been attending church for about two years. But one of them definitely had a fire for God. And the other one definitely was indecisive. I don't know. I'm not here to judge on, I'm not here to judge on salvation. This sermon isn't about salvation or 
This sermon is about following God and counting the cost. So we, we don't want to water it down. We're in a spiritual war every day. If you ever get time, talk to Linda Donaldson about her and her uh, discipling the young ladies at work. Man, it just brings me, it makes me cry thinking about like, oh, because God loves people, right? I mean, <laughs> he died for us. He loves us. And we should love each other. We love here. I love you guys, you know. And no one here is perfect, save Sharon Stewart. She's the only perfect. <laughs> Taylor, you're not perfect. <laughs> but you're perfect for me. <sighs> not my first rodeo. Um... We're in a spiritual war. And sometimes it's like people, we send them out and then they get upset. It's like sending a soldier out to battle and then the soldier comes back and what the heck? They're shooting at me. Bruno, you didn't tell me they were gonna be shooting at me. Like real bullets, I thought they were like. And then we say, oh no, I'm sorry. You're supposed to get rich. <laughs> You're supposed to be blessed. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, be blessed. Yes, blessing is there. Yes. But, man, give it all. It's all his. Go for it. And if you fall down, or someone talks bad about you, or whatever, or you get offended, this isn't read between the lines. This is get over it. <laughs> if you get offended, get over it. Talk to them. Talk it out. And keep going. If you, if you think someone is unsavable, get that out of your head, right? I was, I was a Buddhist wannabe. I was an atheist, you know. I, I was an atheist. I didn't like Christians. And here I am. It's not impossible. Do it. Evangelize. Talk about Jesus outside of here. Pray for people outside of here. Right now, we have a whole community that is in dire need of very real physical stuff, right? But sometimes, not everything, everything is spiritual. Having a meal with someone is spiritual, okay? Sharing, maybe having a daycare here for people so, so kids can play for a little bit, that's spiritual, it's not just letting your eyes roll in the back in your head and doing this Professor X thing like, oh, God, I'm getting a word. I don't know who this is for. Yes, that happens. I love it. Yes, we're about the prophetic. But also do stuff and evangelize and talk about Jesus. Count the cost and then do what this says. So um, if I can get the worship team to come up. I'm going to close this up. Amen. I thought I was going to cry today, but I didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm such an Enneagram for Just kidding. <laughs> I'm emotional. I cry. But I'm, but I'm not. Don't push me because I'll beat you up too. 
I'm just messing. I won't. Um, maybe you've never understood, maybe no one's ever spoken about discipleship and how intense it actually is. Maybe you've, maybe you've never understood that being a disciple means giving your entire life to God. Okay? Jesus didn't try to make following him sound like all your problems were going to go away. So why do we? He did promise, however, to give us his Holy Spirit. He did promise that he was never going to leave us. He promised a lot. He, he promised to give us himself. That is better than any other blessing. The blessings are awesome. But the biggest thing, the, awesome, the most amazing thing is that we... And I'm not even, not fellowship. It's we have a real, real open door to have a real relationship, connection, friendship with this amazing God. So if you've never heard that before, if maybe, or maybe you like, I thought being a maybe right now, if you haven't never given your life to God, if anyone's out there listening online. If you've never given your life, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to pray this prayer and we're, we're lickety split good. I'm going to say, count the cost. It's going to cost you everything. But man, is it worth it? It is worth everything. It's worth it. He is worth it. So Father, I do pray for those that are listening that have never given their life to you. Holy Spirit, speak to them right now. Let them know how much you love them. Let them know how much, let them know the plans, the amazing plans you have for them. And let them know, Lord, show them your love. Show them, Holy Spirit, that you have them, that you're hugging them, that you pick them up. You've seen every pain from the past. You've seen everything and you know their entire future. For those listening that have never given their life, consider it now. And so, for all of us that have given our lives, then the challenge is, the more you know God, the more you'll want to tell people about God. So that's it. Like, know God and then make him known, right? And that's it. If you don't have someone mentoring you, find someone. If you're not mentoring someone, mentor someone. Everyone, of in, everyone in here is smarter than someone else in the faith. And just mess. Every one of us has something to teach, right? Every one of us. And every one of us has much to learn.